Maximum Health with your host, Dr. Ken Gray. Dr. Gray obtained his master's in both acupuncture and oriental medicine from the Atlantic Institute of Oriental Medicine. Dr. Gray enjoys both being a physician as well as being an educator. His unique approach to holistic healing has taken him abroad to lecture in Germany and treat sports professionals in Hawaii and France. He is co-author of several books on food therapy. His office is in Jupiter, Florida, where he has practiced for over a decade and where he resides. Now it's time for Maximum Health with Dr. Ken Gray. Welcome back, everyone. This is Maximum Health Radio, quality living with yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray, holistic physician. I thank you so much for joining us every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard on 88.9 FM WQCS as National Public Radio. We're also available via iTunes, podcasting. Please subscribe, download, enjoy. Um, New guests every week. Uh, There's probably almost 80 shows in queue. So that should keep you busy for a while. And uh, the, the guests that we have today, um, I think you'll find very near and dear to your heart, especially all the parents out there. Uh, we have Jenny Luther from Peaceful Parenting. Um, among other things, which we'll get into in a little bit, but uh, we'll start off there because, you know, I really truly believe in my heart of hearts and as a father of many children, a whole basketball team. <laughs> I have a blended family. I have a few, any of you who know me know that. And uh, anyway, I'm a, I, I love being a parent. I love being a father. Um, it, I feel that it's one of the most important things, if not the most important thing we can do it, which actually leads me to a story, a, a gentleman that I met in Hawaii on my travels. You know, he, uh, he, he traveled the world uh, with the Navy and he was in a jazz band. He's an artist. And then uh, he decided he was going to stay in, in, in Hawaii and on the North Shore and he was going to raise his 10 children there and teach them all how to play instruments and that everyone who wanted to uh, hear him play would now have to come hear his family. And I said, why? And he says, well, he traveled the world and he realized there were great doctors, great lawyers, great judges. Um, great politicians, great everything, but there weren't a lot of great fathers, and he thought that he that was the most important thing he could do with his life, and um, that was a story I learned early in my parenthood, and that's something I've strived to be, um, and will continue to strive to be. That leads me now to Miss Jenny Luther, who's dedicated her life to helping parents. Uh, be better parents uh, with the main goal of raising better children, which become adults, right? We, we've sort of lost this connection. And so it takes a village. It takes a village. And we don't have too many villages anymore. We're all displaced. We're all separate. We're all parents and grandparents and great-parents living in different states and communicating via Facebook, <laughs> if at all, right? Correct. Uh, yeah. Text, if at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so that whole idea of the uh, three-story brownstone and grandma upstairs, parents upstairs, and then the you know the newlyweds with the new grandkids downstairs is uh, long lost in most cases. For us older folks, it's fathers know be- knows best. Yeah, yeah. That kind of environment that yeah. everybody wishes for, but there are so many stressors. So yeah. you're putting the team back in family in a way, mm-hmm. helping parents to 
to raise their children. Tell us a little bit about Peaceful Parenting. Well, Peaceful Parenting was born in 1994, and it was as a result of uh, me as a single parent. I had that same vision that you had as a parent. Uh, And I was working in upstate New York as a speech pathologist in a psychiatric center with children who were emotionally challenged at a level that required an interdisciplinary team of just a very dynamic team of like six people. And as I became a single parent because of the stressors in my life and was in the middle of a divorce, um, my youngest son was that child that was a terror. I could not handle him. He was violently tantrum. He had violent tantrums every day for 45 minutes. He was worse than any child I was working with on this interdisciplinary team. And every day I would come home to this child and I was embarrassed, ashamed. I felt like I should know better. And I was forced to be the worst of myself rather than the best of myself, seeing the worst in my child instead of seeing the best in him. And I found myself crouching before him with a wooden spoon threatening his life Mm -hmm. at one point, which became an epiphany for me Mm. because I realized it was really not about him. It was about me. And it was me that had to change because it couldn't have been safe for him to watch my actions. So I started on a journey. Mm -hmm. And typically at that time, it was a traditional approach to discipline, which was rewards and punishments and timeout which was very traditional at that time that everybody was using. Right. Having to pursue myself required that I needed to change first. I needed to be the response that he could. I needed to have an impact on his response. I needed to have, have the response that felt safe for him so that he could manage his life. And that you do in relationship. So it was the relationship that really dictated how, well, how, I was old, how old was he around this He time? was two and a half. Okay. Very bright, very precocious. So your epiphany happened at two and a half. My epiphany happened at two and a half. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where was dad? That was an upstate. Dad? Dad yeah. was pretty absent. Okay. He was absent financially, and right. he was absent for the most part in his life. It was here or there. It was not consistent. Right. So that's a big factor. Yes. Right. And he had an older brother, too, who right. was just a couple of years old. Okay. He was a couple of years older. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, that says something about where this epiphany came from and how you had to assume tool roles. Correct. Right. No doubt I was stressed. Mm-hmm. And as I've been on this journey, I've learned that when you're stressed, you go to places in your brain where you shut down and you become the person you don't want to be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when those moments, when you're triggered. And children often trigger us, don't they? Yeah, they do. So your epiphany came with new tools. Definitely. For parenting. New, ta- new tools for parenting. And it started with me. I had to change myself. I had to change my perception about mm-hmm. how I was seeing behavior. Mm-hmm. I had to change, um, take more responsibility, take my power back instead of blame him for everything. Mm. I had to see that all his behavior was a call for help. It was not something to try to make me mad or try to control me. And I realized I had to really be in control of myself Mm. first. 
so that you, I could guide him. How did you do that? That's that's I think that question that everybody's already yeah. thinking. Like, what the heck is you doing? How did you do that? That sounds magical. Well, that's a <laughs> lifelong journey. You're and right, that's, isn't it? You know, a lot of people <laughs> call me and they say, "Come to my home. I want you to fix my kid." And I okay. said, "Well, it never starts that way. It's kind of yeah. like Caesar Milan with the dogs. You yeah. go and you you work with trainer. You don't work with the." With the dog, because okay. the dog only knows th- what the dog knows. Yeah. You, you are, you're the one that takes the lead. But mm. how do you take charge with having, without trying to passively, aggressively, or passive aggressively try to manipulate them? So mm. the approach here had to be, I had to change really the way I saw behavior, and also understand how the emotional uh, and social development how the brain develops social emotional intelligence. Mm. So once I understood those things, I was able to then apply the skills that I wanted to teach Bart and my other son, my entire family, to be able to help him manage his life. So it's the program that I eventually came to by Dr. Becky Bailey is called Conscious Discipline. Dr. Becky Bailey. Right. She writes books on all of this and Yes, she writes a lot of Psychotherapist books. Psychotherapist by profession? Or? Yes, she's a developmental psychologist okay. by profession. Okay. And uh, she used to run the University of Central Florida mm. early childhood program. And then I met her, and it was one of those energetic, you know, mm, serendipitous yeah, experiences. And she and asked me to speak for her. So we started on a journey together, and now it is a nationwide program. But I'm sort of semi-retired now. Yeah working locally so beautiful so so from two and a half to what did when did you see the change between you're changing within yourself as a person as a woman as a, as a parent as you know as all of these things right and then your child then uh, coming to terms with the way that it was uh, he was meant to act <laughs> right well it was a journey not a destination so his lifelong time of learning how to regulate himself and be his best in the worst outside. So when the outside world is acting its worst to be your best, how do you be your best? Your best when you're relaxed and all of and, and relaxed and you're present yeah. and you can access the highest centers of your brain to be to get the brilliance of who you really are, your all your values of being kind and respectful and all of those things. But that all goes out the window as soon as some stress comes in your life. So you can be driving around the road, be on the road, be very patient with the person driving in front of you. But as soon as some stress comes, you get a negative phone call or somebody screams at you, you start screaming and now you're acting the very way that you wish that you wouldn't or you resist in your own self. So once I started to shift, then he started to shift. Mm -hmm. So it took, actually into his teen years that he really was able to, when I saw him act and start to make decisions and take responsibility for his life in a way that I feared. Because truthfully, that moment that I had sat there with a wooden spoon in front of him and I had that epiphany, he literally pulled his pants down and said, come on, spank me. Wow. So when he- Two and a half? At two and a half. He was really <laughs> precocious. Wow. Very powerful. Some fire in there. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Fire, fire. He was really powerful. And this was a child I knew the epiphany was. If I didn't take this power and direct his power into a way he could make a real difference in the world, 
then I saw him as a serial killer, like by the time he was 16. Wow. I mean, I needed to take that power because it was going to go one way or the other and guide him to see the power in the real positive way. So there are definitely going to be listeners that may identify with this. And there's some that's saying, okay, well, they're, they have that picture of the parent in the supermarket going, Tommy, now. And then Tommy's still doing what he's doing. Okay, Tommy, you got to. And then Tommy's still doing And then everybody's just walking by like, oh, what the heck? <laughs> like, okay, so, right. so w- where was the discipline? How did you change from the wooden spoon and, and what were the tools for discipline? Well, I would go, I would flip-flop a lot. So okay. I flip-flop from being really tight and kind of aggressive with right. him okay. and stressed out to being too kind with him. Gotcha. So there's a lot of that that I see with parents. There's an epidemic of parents trying to save children mm-hmm. from their uh, their choices that create disappointment or an upset state. So when they get upset, parents are often trying to helicopter and try to save children or punish children for feeling the emotional states. What I learned was when I can help him see himself, then he could make choices. So when I, you go into a child like that, for instance, in the grocery store, and you're with your child. So what are your thoughts when your child's not listening to you as a parent? Mm-hmm. Me? Yeah. Oh, I well, so, okay, let me just preface. As a parent, which has raised now six children <laughs> of 18 to 8, um, my if, if there, that happened at that stage, as a father, I was more the disciplinarian, for sure. So what does that mean? So that means that I have conversations, I give them instruction, and it's very calm, and it's very direct. And I look at them, and they see that look. <laughs> but... That look changes if they decide to be vindictive or they are purposefully disobedient. So you're Anywhere. smelling as power struggle come, right? So you're sniffing it like you're being calm. Yeah. You're it's giving just, this attention. This is where we're going to be. This is where this is what we are. We're doing. Yeah, this is what you This need. is what we're doing. Exactly. And your child's choosing not to. Exactly. So depending on the age. Yeah. Depending so on the age. If When they're young, two and a half, I'm, I was raised with the idea you bend the branch. Because if you don't bend the branch, you're going to have to break it later. So that person, that little person there <laughs> with that, that little small branch, goes with me to the bathroom and gets a nice spanking. <laughs> that's how I raised. Right. That, and that's right. right. So, so, And then they come out nice and calm and well, they, chill. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, only they have to come do out that. chill. Yeah, yeah. But how do they regulate the, themselves consciously to say the world is not going my way and yeah. I can handle this even though I'm not getting my way. So do you want them to do it through fear or do you want them to take responsibility? That's Great question. the question. So that changes when they're, they're more conscious and able to have conversations and be more intelligent and they're more aware. So that's a part, and I don't know if every parent has that, but for me that changes around the five Five years to six years. So, so we're, ha- we're having more conversation. We're like, okay, you know. Well, yes. Yeah. And so d- if you understand developmentally, yeah, yeah. you know, little children rely on you for their safety right, and connection. Yeah, yeah. So they're always looking to you for guidance. Yeah. Yet, and so they're always connected to, with, to, with you in, a, in an attached state, a yeah. we state. And yeah. they don't see themselves really separate from you. Yeah. But once they turn three, all of a sudden their psychological eye emerges. Mm-hmm. And how does that emerge? 
Well, it says no. Right, yeah. It no defies. I remember those days. So they're really supposed to do <laughs> that, no. right? Oof. Uh. Yeah, they're really <laughs> supposed to say no. Yeah, yeah. Now, how do we yeah. help them maintain their eye, but yeah. then also in that moment set a boundary yeah. that they will respect? So in that That's moment. That's a challenge. That's well, a challenge. in that moment, yeah. what I would do yeah. is the, here's the child that you said. You've made eye contact yeah. with them. You've connected. You're calm. You say, it's time for you to put that down or uh, it's time for you. No, you may not have the candy. Let's put it that way. And they're like, you see this pause, you sniff this pause. Mm -hmm. The pause is there and you're like, oh no, inside your head. Oh no, here it comes. Now, if you don't have yourself together enough, you're going to try to manipulate and stop that behavior versus transform that behavior. So you, when you try to stop and you resist their resistance, guess what happens? What you resist persists. Mm -hmm. So this is how a power struggle gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And before you know it, they've had a tantrum. You're walking out embarrassed. You haven't gotten any of your, of your groceries, and you're <laughs> totally frustrated. And you take them to the car, and you smack them upside the yeah, head and yeah. say, "Don't! you're never coming to the grocery store yeah. again. Yeah. So that's <laughs> what typically happens. But if you're calm and you can see that this is a defiant moment, how can you say to yourself, how can I help this child more likely choose to follow this direction? Mm. So that's the big question. Yes. Do so you give them a lollipop? No. No. You say. <laughs> that's the other thing I see. You may not have the, you may yeah. not have the yeah. lollipop. Yeah. What you can have is you can have this apple or orange, whatever it is, but you want to give them two possible choices. Okay. Like so that. two positive choices. So within the boundary, that defiance needs to come. They need to push against the boundary. But then how do you help them feel a sense of free will mm -hmm. and take responsibility? You give them choices. Mm -hmm. The other thing, too, I remember uh, during that stage was deciphering whether they were just being belligerent or if they were just overtired. It can be both those things. Yeah. So just being belligerent is really saying, I need to express my I right now. Right, like I want And this. so when you say yes, I'm going to say no. And when you say black, I'm going to say white. Right, right. And there's three different stages we go through this. And it's very important that children do go through these stages. It's very intense, especially at three. Three. That's that ident two, identification, three is right? really, so, and four, yeah. very aggressive and very intense. Yeah. And so they will throw tantrums, and they can be very intense. It's how do we help them manage that and then help them make the choice. Mm. So first you've got to calm their state and help them to calm, and then you give them choices. Right. The I second remember that time, being that parent, too. I remember, like, picking them up and just holding them. You've got to calm them their down. Head, putting their head on my shoulder and just, okay, you're tired. Let's relax for a little bit. And well, we'll, think of yourself this. when yeah. you're really upset. Yeah, you get upset. And somebody's yeah. trying to give you answers. Tempers are short. You're not listening yeah. to answers. Yeah. You just want to be yeah. validated. You need your emotions to calm before yeah. you can make a decision. No, that's true. I remember that, too. Oh. The second time is when you're teens, yeah. right? So teens are like parents of fear teens because there's another I emergence. Mm, yeah. I need to find who I am going to be starting my new tribe, right? And, and in the household of the mother female role and the male role are so different when it comes to teens and whether it's a daughter or a son. Huge. Yeah, that's a whole nother that's a whole nother talk. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> you know, that's another talk. But then yeah. the third one is when you're in your forties. Right. There's a whole new sense of amount of, of emergence yeah. of I. Like yeah. who am I? Why am I on this planet? Yeah. I've been doing this job forever. Is this really what I want to do? So a lot of people very often they have 
career changes or midlife crises or whatever. Yes. Now, those are three times. Now, if a child never tantrums when they're young and never goes through that defiant time, yeah. or they don't, it's going to be worse at teens. Oh, wow. Okay. And if they don't do it at teens, watch out 40s. Oh, okay. So it's re the, the important thing for parents is that children aren't, see, this is what we do. Children are good or bad. If they're good, they're always calm and they're compliant. Mm. They never show an upset state. But that's state. not they necessarily good. Yeah. That's not good. No. That's we not want, good. We want that And bad children are ones that are always pushing the button like my child Bart. Yeah. Don't and touch it. They touch. Don't you touch. <laughs> exactly. And Which you, you kind of want that too. You want a little fire. Right. So yeah. where do you find the fine the line? Balance. How do you walk on yeah. the tightrope or the balance beam of knowing? And now parents have to deal with um, dietary issues. They have to deal mm -hmm. with ADHD and all these labels. They have to deal with schools. And I mean, there's social media, technology. You help with all that? Help with all of it. Wow. So, And here's here's the biggest issue for parents today, I think, is that there is a culture of perfectionism and anxiety going on in our culture right now. Mm -hmm. And so parents have so much information and they have so much access to technology as well to get all the information they need because they want to make the best decision. And there's almost too much choice out there too much choice for them but they want to do everything right and they're so busy wanting to do everything right that they miss being present so mm. the one thing that's really that we're really missing with children children are missing out on play interactive play with their parents face-to-face -face contact play is huge play is a huge piece I, I heard in a NPR interview I forget where when how but that was the commonality between some of the um, the, the people who have committed these atrocities in our society of the mass shootings and such, that their childhood was without play. Mm -hmm. There play, was a strict nature to their raising and so forth. Connection. Yeah, connection. Connection. And play. It's the connection. Yeah. The you so so and that leads me, you know, when we talk about mass shootings and violence and all these things that obviously can happen in the teens and so forth, we've got you you have a foundation, Bart's Blue Star. Mm -hmm. So how this all came about was uh, Bart went on a path that was very powerful. And his mission in life was to serve. He wanted to serve. He wanted to serve politically, but he also wanted to serve in the service. And so to make a long story short, he, once he took responsibility for his life and he really took that power, he excelled tremendously. He ended up being a tank commander, going to Iraq, serving on the front lines. He came home. And he ended up uh, trying to help a soldier who was uh, being discharged. And the next day, who had taken some highly sensitive or suspected of taking some equipment that he wanted back, that he was getting back for his office. He was an officer, but for his captain. And he went over to his house, and he was uh, the, this, this person, Jody, came out and killed him. Oh, my gosh. And the irony of it was that, you know, uh, that we came to this because of Bart's uh, Bart was staring at the face of what I thought a person was his nemesis. It would yeah. have been the person he was going to become. So we started Bart's Blue Star Fund Foundation in honor of really the person that killed him to help those Jodies of the world who didn't get the skills. Bart got the help. Right. Jody didn't. 
He was one of those typical kids on the street, homeless and that sort of thing. So uh, we have this event coming up, which is yeah. our biannual. You want to know more about it? I would love to because we've drawn a line from that moment where you were sitting with the spoon. Right. <laughs> and that crossroads and creating someone who went on to serve, serve all of us as a great soldier and then lost his life literally mm-hmm. in, in the duty of serving another, trying mm-hmm. to help another. And now you're helping many through the stages of childhood onto teens and so forth. And this foundation, Bart's Blue Star, now has an event that we need to obviously support, and it's Saturday, March 9th. Mm-hmm. Saturday, March 9th at yeah. the Jupiter Golf Club. Yeah. And it, you can register at bartsbluestar.org. It starts at 6 p.m. It's full. It's called a Japanese night to remember. Mm. So there'll be Who doesn't tons. love the Japanese culture? Yeah, <laughs> and there's going to be auctions yeah. and silent auctions, live auctions, entertainment, mm-hmm. fun, dancing. Uh, it's going to be a great event. Yeah. And Japanese night to remember. A Japanese night to remember. And so. so it's at the Jupiter Island Club. And then give us the phone number because I know that people are going to want to call. And Well, you can if you have questions about it, yeah. the phone number is 772-405-8063. Mm-hmm. Or you can, you can email me at GinnyLuther at gmail.com. And that's Ginny with a G. G-I-N-N-Y. Yeah. L-U-T-H-E-R. So you can show up, you can enjoy, you can support, and people can also contact you for your skills, which Correct. are helping many. Many. Um, many. Single parents. Teachers. Parents. Schools, changing cultures of yeah. schools, because it is about changing cultures. Also, sometimes it's, you're married and you have a full household, but the father is always away, and the mother has to still assume the roles, even though the father's a provider, he's not there physically to do the disciplining or the help or the lecturing, the talking, the patting on the back, (laughs) all those things that fathers need to do. So these are things that sometimes women become these dual role uh, people and they need your help. Yeah. And sometimes it's single fathers. We can't discount that. No. And I've had many single fathers come to me where I help them. Where the women are traveling. (laughs) The women, exactly. The the man has to be the nurturer and listen to the the daughters talk about the boyfriends and (laughs) make choices and help with that. And And the essence of it is when we are calm ourselves and we're peaceful within our own selves, and that's what it's about peaceful about our own selves, then we can help children be peaceful with themselves. Peaceful homes create peaceful children. Yes. Yeah. I love it. Thank you for all your work. It's been great, Miss Jenny Luther. And again, we have the third biennial Healing Hearts Gala. And um, the phone number again is 772-405-8063. We hope you'll support the event coming up. It's around the corner, March 9th at the Jupiter Island Club. Save the date. What is the universe trying to tell us now? Well, you can find out Saturday, April 27th from 12 to 3 p.m. at the New Norton Museum of Art Stiller Auditorium at the first annual Star Summit Talk with special panelists, Brown University astrophysicist Dr. Stefan Alexander, Director of Science Institute at St. John's College, Peter Pesek, John Bell, Director of the Planetarium at IRSC, Functional Medicine Doctor, Mark Gokey, as well as Functional Nutritionist, Mary Gokey. We'll see you there at the first annual Star Summit Talk, Science, Technology, Arts, Renaissance, moderated by yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray, Holistic Physician. Purchase your tickets via eventbrite.com today. 
This has been another Maximum Health Quality Living. Yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray. See you next time.